Well, good morning. This is the greatest day in the calendar. We have the best thing to celebrate because Jesus is risen. He is alive. And so I'm going to start by reading the story that tells us so out of Matthew 28. I'm going to start in verse 1. If you've got a Bible in front of the seat or if you have one uh, that you want to take a look at, that's where we're going to be. It's on page 693 and it starts this way. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, that is Easter Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, I wouldn't want to be the other Mary, went to look at at the tomb, and there was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook, and they became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Why, church? Why isn't He there? Say it with me. Because He has risen just as He said He would. Come and see the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see Him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb ahead, uh, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and he said, Greetings. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. We're here today because we celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. And this isn't just any story. This isn't just some figment of our imagination. This really happened. This is the turning point of history. The point when creation says all together that Jesus is Lord, that He is victorious over sin and over death. This is the the culmination of everything we long to see in the world. If you know the story, you know that the way that it all began is that God who always does what is good, right, and perfect. He created a world to match and mirror His own image. And He said, it is good. And He filled that world with all kinds of wonderful things that would show the glory of who He is. And the chief thing that He created in His world to mirror His image was man and women. And He put them in a beautiful garden to care for it and to tend it in His name and to reflect to creation what He was like, and to be in relationship with Him because He loved Him. But we know the story didn't end that way. It went on, and man and woman, we rebelled against God, and we chose a separate path. And we said to our Creator, we would rather have the right to decide for ourselves what is right and wrong and good and bad. We don't need You. We don't need Your help. We don't need Your power. We don't need the life that comes from You. And because of that decision, when we walked away in rebellion of God, which the Bible calls sin, that produced for us death. And we taste the the product of that death all the time in our lives when we see loved ones disappear from our very eyes. When we experience trials in this life, we go, this is not the way that life was supposed to be. And it wasn't. God knew that when we walked away from the giver of life that we were locking away from life itself. And because of that, we experienced the wage of our own sin, which is death. We know that that's not the the end of the story either, either, right? God was who, who loved us and patiently fought for us, pursued us 
throughout the entire story, and He came after us and He said, I am not willing to let my creation who I love and cherish perish without Me. And so He came after us over and over and over again. And finally, He said through His prophets, one day, one day, there will be someone who comes in the name of the Lord and He will be the King of kings and Lord of lords. He will come to rescue My people and get them out of the bondage of the sin that they've created for themselves. He will ransom them and rescue them and bring them back to Me. And this man who we call Jesus and celebrate today lived a perfect life, the life that we should have lived but could not because of the sin that separated us from God. He lived it for us every single day, showing us what God is really like, how much He loves us and cherishes us and runs after us. And that man came and not only lived a perfect life, but he died on a cross to pay the penalty for the sin that you and I have committed. He took upon Himself our shame and He was beaten and broken for the things that we've done and the thoughts that we've acted upon or had in our minds. But that's not the end of the story either, right? Because Jesus goes to the cross and He pays the penalty for those things. And after three days, He rises from the tomb in victory over that sin and over death and He declares it dead and gone and He says, you are now My people and I am risen. I'm Your King of kings and Lord of lords. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. This is good news, right? This is our story. The King of kings has come and reigning victorious over sin and death. He is alive today and we celebrate that as His family because He's brought us into His kingdom. Amen? That's all I got. So I want to ask you if you believe this today. Because if you're in Christ, then this is our story. And sometimes family stories can become old and routine, right? We hear the same stories that our grandfather told us over and over and over again. And we're like, yeah, I've heard it a hundred times. You don't have to tell me a hundred and first time. I want the reality of the resurrection to hit you anew today. And for those of you who may not know this story or don't participate in it, I want you to know that the risen Jesus is here with us today and He is moving by His Spirit and He wants you to know the power that comes through His resurrection in you today. And so we're going to look at that. We want to answer the question, what difference does it make that Jesus rose from the dead? What does it awaken in those who come to Him by faith? That's what we want to know today. That's the big question. And so we're going to continue to read in Matthew 28 to find out the answer because what we're going to see in Jesus' first followers is that the resurrection is absolutely necessary to create the kind of life that we see Jesus' followers living after He is risen and ascended into heaven. And it says this, the, the, the eleven disciples, they went on to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. I love that. We're going to get to that in a second. Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the life that Jesus' resurrection secures for those of us that follow Him. And so we want to ask this question, what does it awaken in us? 
what do we come awaken to? And the first answer is this, that the resurrection of Jesus, in, in that we awaken to a new authority. I, I don't know what you have in your mind in terms of why you're here today. Uh, some of you may be here because you believe that you're under the authority of your parents. And, and mom and dad drug you out and dressed you in clothes that you would never choose out of your own dresser all the way at the bottom, and you had forgotten completely about them, but there it is, all wrinkled and everything, and they throw it on you and say, we're going to church. And so maybe Easter for you kind of equals an obligation to your family to maybe get some Easter eggs later on. Right, kids? You're looking forward to that. Thank you for being honest with me. I love the honesty of kids. Some of you might believe that you're here because of the authority of some kind of tradition. And you think, well, it's Easter Sunday, my family's always done this, and so it's time to to go out and participate in the church. Some of you might believe that you're here because of the authority of some things in your life that you just feel the weight of, and you think, I've got to go to church at least once or twice a year just to to feel like I might be changed or, or whole or or maybe something will work. I need a shot in the arm or a little bit of a booster to make myself feel better. And so church might equal a clear conscience for you. I want you to know this morning that there is something far bigger at work beyond all of those things today. And that God has something for you even bigger than that as He did for His disciples. Because it starts out this way. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. So I want to ask you this. Why is it that the disciples traveled 60 miles from Jerusalem up to Galilee? Why is it? Because Jesus told them to go there, right? The application is this. Isn't it great news to know that, that you're here today not because of some other authority, but because... Jesus wanted to bring you to such a place and had the authority to do it so that you'd be in these seats today and listen to the good news that He has for you and what He's done for you through the cross and through the empty tomb. Jesus has that authority. And so if you find yourself in the seats here today, you may have been thinking that there are all kinds of other reasons that you could have been here today. None of those are really the reality. God wants you here today because He has a message for you and He wants you to know how much He loves you and how much He's done to reconcile you to Himself. That's very good news today. And I know, here's the great news, even the disciples had doubts. I mean, they're standing in front of Jesus with pierced hands and pierced side going, He was on a cross, He was in a tomb, we haven't seen Him for three days, and yet He's standing here eating with us. Like, and I'm still doubting. I don't know about you, but that gives me a whole lot of hope for myself. So I wonder what doubts you're carrying with you today. Some of you may have doubts that God could ever forgive you for the things that you've done. You're coming here and you're going, you have no idea the the kinds of things that have consisted in my life, the kinds of things that I've participated with. And and, and so I'm only here today to clear my conscience, but I never really believe that God could forgive me of those things that I've done. I want you to know that I have no idea what you've done. And and despite what you may think, I can't look into your soul. But here's the reality. God can and He does. 
He's the one who created you, and He knows everything that you've ever done, every thought that you've ever had, every word that you've ever spoken. He knows all of it. In fact, He he knows your sin far better than you know it. I don't know if you realize this, but when Jesus was on the cross, He was crying out for us on, on our behalf, saying, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself, knows your sin far better than you do, and yet forgives you and cries out on your behalf for you to be forgiven. That's exactly what Jesus does. He knows how bad you are. And He knows how much it took in order to pay the penalty for what you've done. And He still does it, willingly going to the cross to pay your sin's penalty. See, somebody had to say, I will take the punishment for what you've done. That's the only way that you get back to God. Somebody had to say, I will go, I will experience the death that comes as a result of sin. And Jesus does all of that and more for you. But it doesn't even end there. The good news gets better than that. Because someone didn't just have to die, someone had to overcome death on your behalf, so that sin would no longer separate you from God. And Jesus is the only one that can do that for you. The resurrection is God's declaration to us that Jesus has the authority to put sin to death. And that's exactly what He does. So don't believe the lie today that whatever you've done or whatever has been done to you is more powerful than the resurrection. It is not. Your ability to sin is not more powerful than Jesus' authority to deal with that sin. The resurrection proves it. So believe it today. Some of you may have doubts not over the past, but maybe over the future. And so you're facing things and you wonder, could, could I ever have victory over these difficult things that I'm going through, these circumstances that I'm facing? And they've led you to the point where you have absolutely no hope in life. I want you to know today that you have a reason for hope. I mean, imagine what the disciples must have been thinking after Good Friday, which for them wasn't so good, right? I mean, they're, they're thinking, we, we've spent all this time with this one who is now crucified and gone. How in the world are we going to get over this? I mean, yeah, Jesus did some great things. We saw Him heal people. We saw Him raise the dead. We saw Him do all kinds of miraculous things. But He's gone now. All those things are in the past. What do I have to look forward to? The truth is, without the resurrection, you and I have absolutely no hope of victory over the greatest problems of our life. But the good news is this, that Jesus did win victory over death. And so nothing that you're facing today, nothing that you'll face tomorrow is bigger than death. And Jesus swallowed up death by His victory over it. And that's why the Bible is able to say confidently, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Are, Are you thankful today for what He's done for you? He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're in Christ, here's the great news that I have for you today. Nothing, not even death, can stand against you anymore. And if Jesus has the authority to conquer death on your behalf, 
Is there any other enemy that you could possibly face in life that he could not also wage victory over on your behalf? Secondly, the resurrection, and in the resurrection, we awaken to a new identity. Not just a new authority, but a new identity. For those who first follow Jesus, they had all kinds of ways to identify themselves and names that they would have gone by. Many of them were defined by what they did for a living. And they had fishermen and tax collectors and zealots who were people that uh, raised up against the governing authorities. And they said, this is the way I'm going to define myself. This is who I am. Others of them would have been defined by their family heritage and where they came from. And somebody would have said, I'm, I'm Jewish. Uh, this is my heritage. This is where I come from. This is who I am. Or I'm a Roman or I'm a Gentile or I'm whatever the case might be. They had all these different identifying markers. So I wonder what you're basing your identity on today as you come here. I mean, all around us we see the evidence of this. We try to identify ourselves by all kinds of things in our life. Political parties and race, religion, and a whole host of other things. You can identify yourself by what you do too, and many of us are really good at that. I am my occupation, or I am my ability to parent my kids, and so I get my identity from the fact that my kids have not rebelled against me, but they've grown up to be good citizens in the world. Just so you know, all of those things, all of them, everything that we try to use to identify ourselves apart from God, all of those things are attempts to collect our own good works and then heap them up in a big pile before God and say, God, is this enough for me to be acceptable? Is this enough so that I can feel okay about myself? Because this is what I'm clinging to. Is this enough? And the bad news, I've got to break it to you, is that no, it's not enough. Because even our attempts to do those things out of a good conscience, even our good works, they can stand condemning against us because they're attempts on our behalf to define who we are and our goodness apart from the One who gave us life in the first place. And none of them, none of them will stand the test of time. And so if we live each day solely on the, identi- on the identity of how we live our daily life, we will always feel like there's something missing. Am I, am I being a good enough parent? Am I being a good enough worker or a good enough boss? And we'll never know the answer. We'll always be in disappointment. It is only in the life defined by what the, this child of God, Jesus, has done who conquered death and invites you to join in His story that you'll be filled, fulfilled and complete. That's why he, he, Jesus says to His followers, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That word baptize, which we're going to celebrate in a second, is the word immerse. Jesus says, I want you to go and immerse them in a new identity. I want the, the, our, these people to know that their identity is not based on who they are or what they've done or what's been done to them, but on who I am and what I've done for them. The resurrection gives us a completely new identity. It's an identity not based on your goodness, but on Jesus' goodness on your behalf. And so in a moment, we're going to celebrate that through actually baptizing people in the water behind me. Some folks are going to get wet today, okay? And what we're doing by, by doing that is we're, we're in a sense saying, 
um, that, that those of us with all these other identities, all these other ways to identify ourselves, they come down into the water with that identity. I'm so-and-so. I'm this. I'm that. I don't live up. I do this. I'm this. You come down into the water, and in the waters of baptism, you realize that that has to die. That is going to die. That, that is death. And so in baptism, you, we, we immerse people down into the water, symbolizing Jesus' death on their behalf. And then when they come up, guess what? That old identity, it's in the water. It's going down the drain. It no longer defines you. It's not who you are anymore. When you come up out of the water, you are risen and clean and perfect and a saint in Jesus' eyes because of what He's done on your behalf. His perfect life credited to your not-so-perfect life so that you can live out the resurrection all the days of your life. Forever. That's what we celebrate through baptism. And so when we baptize folks, we say, it doesn't matter who you once were, Because once you were an enemy of God, but now we baptize you in the name of the Father because God is now your Father and you are His Son, you are His daughter. Chosen and loved by Him, the Creator of the universe. We baptize you in the name of the Son because no longer do you live to satisfy your own desires, but you desire to satisfy the One who gave His life for you, who is Jesus. And so He is your King and you are His servant. And we baptize you in the name of the Holy Spirit because you once lived a life without power and without hope, but now you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, giving you power to overcome sin and death. And so He is your power, and you are His missionary sent into the world to declare what Jesus is like to everyone you come across. That's the new reality. That's the new identity that we get through Christ. It's a reality that takes on all of life. God wants you to know today that you can have a new identity. You may not have come here thinking that, but God wants you to leave here knowing that. It doesn't matter who you were before or how you defined your life. You can be new today. So my prayer for you is that the Spirit would be speaking that into your hearts. And and here's the thing. If your heart's like beating quickly and you're like, maybe this is true, maybe this is real, that's the Spirit doing that, just so you know. I have no ability to change your heart. I have no ability to call forth from you new life. I don't have any of that ability. I'm just up here giving you the good news. And so if that good news is resounding and you're like, yes, this is it. This is what I want for my life. This is the new reality that I want to be a part of. That's God doing that in you. I want you to know that. And that's good news. Don't resist it. There's a last thing that we need to cover, and that's in the resurrection. This is the best one of all, just to be honest with you. In the resurrection of Jesus, we awaken to a new presence. We awaken to a new presence. See, for the disciples, the thing that brought them the most pain at the death of Jesus was the thing that brought them the most joy at His resurrection. And so when He died... They're they're looking at the cross and they're looking at this tomb and going, this one who we've spent the last three years of our life with, the one who called us from our previous life and told us what the kingdom of God was all about, this one who fed 5,000 people and the one who walked on water, the one who had the authority to heal the sick and forgive the sinner, 
give sight to the blind and raise the dead, he is now dead himself. And the question that they would have been asking themselves is, how in the world are we going to live without this Jesus? He's everything. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? Who are we going to be with? I mean, they would have been rocked by this. That's why when they heard the news that Jesus was alive, guess what they did? They picked up everything and they ran 60 miles to the north to go to Galilee to meet him there. I mean, can you imagine? I just, I'm just trying to imagine in my mind these grown men in, in full tunics with sandals on running down a dirt path to meet Jesus 60 miles away. I mean, I, I haven't ran 60 miles for anything, just to let you know. I mean, it probably shows this morning. But the, 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 these men who are going, could it be true? Could it really be true that the one that we love, the one that we've given our lives to, the one that we, we know has, has brought us this new life, could it be true that he's alive? Sometimes I sit around, just to be honest with you, and wonder that same question myself when I have doubts. I sit around and I go, could it really, could the good news that Jesus is alive and that he's with me, could it really be true? I want you to know today that it is. And the best gift that we get through the resurrection is the presence of the one that gave his life to secure ours. We get Jesus. We get the risen King in our lives, forever, starting today and going on to infinity. That's the best news there is, right? And here's what it should lead us to do. Party. You think I'm joking? Think about it this way. I mean... Is the, let me ask this. Is the church usually known for, for a place where, where, that has the best parties? <laughs> Those of you who haven't been or maybe around to it among a church for a while, you're going, are you kidding me? Like when people leave, they look like death. I mean, you know. And then they go to restaurants and they tip poorly. I mean, where's the celebration in that? And I know I was a waiter for a while. Listen, the church should be the most celebratory people on the face of the planet. Because we have the best thing that anyone else has to celebrate. He is risen. Amen? That should cause us to party and celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. And in fact, the the first followers of Jesus used to do this regularly. It was one of the reasons that they changed the, the day that they met together and celebrated the goodness of God from Saturday to Sunday, right? The people of God, they used to celebrate on Saturday. And it was in recognition that God had finished His work of creation and that He rested. And as God rested, so we should rest so that we would be like Him. But then the followers of Jesus, after He rose, when? The first day of the week, Sunday morning. They said, we've got to change everything. I mean, all of life is different. And we need to get together and celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. And so they met on Sunday morning instead. And they would get together and they'd go, Party! Right? He's risen! He's alive! He's with us! 
And just so you know, Jesus is here with us today. You may not have realized that when you came in. You thought, I was just going to come and be with a bunch of people with ties on. And then you got shocked when you came in, and I'm standing up here without a tie on. And it's taken you about 15 minutes just to get used to that. The other thing that you need to know is that Jesus is here today. He's with us. And so let's celebrate. Let's party. Let's let's sing out and rejoice in His name. This man who was once dead and buried is now alive and living today. And He's here through His Spirit, living in those of us that know Him. And I pray too that He's drawing you who may not know Him yet. Are you awake this morning? Is God awakening you to the fact that He's alive? I pray that He is. Those of you who are lonely and without hope, I pray that He's awakening you to the fact that He's here and He's with us and He will be with you forever for you who come to Him. Those of you basing your identity on something else that will not sustain you, I pray that God would awaken you this morning so that you base your reality on who He is and what He's done to know that you are a child of God, forgiven, and that you can go and serve Him and proclaim who He is to everyone. And for those of you who have been living under the authority of your own life and getting to say for yourself, this is what's right, this is what's wrong, this is what's good, this is what's bad, I'm going to live unto myself, I pray this morning that God would awaken you to the reality that He is a much better King over your life than you are. Let's celebrate Him, right? We're going to get some people wet. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. Because He is. Father, thank You that You did not let us perish in our sin. That You came after us running far faster than we could run away from You. Thank You that You sent the most precious thing to You in the entire world. You sent Your only Son. Lord of creation. The One who is there when, when the very earth was formed. You sent Him down to this world to ransom and to rescue those of us that had gone astray. Father, I pray right now that You draw people to Yourself. Those of us that know the story and know You, I pray that You'd revive in our hearts the fact that Jesus is Lord and that we'd give our lives all over again to Him because He's worthy to receive it. And for those of us that aren't there yet, I pray, Father, that, that we would be honest with where our own hearts are. And, I, and I, I, I pray that people would be daring enough to pray, God, if You're real, come and get me. And I pray that You would, by Your Spirit, Thank you that Jesus is risen, that he's alive today. We have the best thing in the world to celebrate. And so thank you, God, for that. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.